You're listening to Trademarks Made Easy. Trademarks Made Easy is the podcast focused on helping brand owners in the e-commerce space. With your host, Susie Hickson, the private label lawyer. But don't worry, you won't find too much legalese here. Well, hey there, and welcome back. I'm your host, Susie Hickson also known as the private label lawyer. So I'm super excited about this week's episode. Actually, the next two weeks. This was such a great interview that I had with Miss Lita from Intentionally Bear. So this is actually my first true interview with an amazing brand owner. My previous interviews have been with industry experts. So if you haven't had a chance, make sure you go back to some of the prior episodes and give them a listen. I had an interview with Karen and Neil Gortzman from Private Label University, Andy Hooper from Global Ecom Experts, and of course, Gary Wang when we talked about China and trademarks and um, private label. So those were all really informative interviews, but I feel like it's so important to also hear the stories of other brand owners and learn about their wins and of course their losses because there's so much that we can learn. So Lita Delay manufactures two lines of natural supplements. One is for pets and the other is for their humans. So make sure you check out Lita at intentionallybear.com. Lita is just absolutely amazing. She loves to help others achieve optimal health. And she actually runs a keto support group where she's helped over 13,000 people get healthy the natural way. And one thing I love about Lita is that she really doesn't believe in compromising health for the sake of weight loss. And I talk about that. We actually talk about that together over the next couple of episodes. There's some really great content in part one, and I hope you absolutely love it. And I'll see you on the other side of part one of my interview with Lita. Today, I have the fabulous Lita Dealey. I'm so excited to have you here today, Lita. Let me tell everyone a little bit about Lita. So I'd asked Lita, if I could have her media bio. And she said, what do you think I am? Famous. So you're going to get a good little taste of of Lita here. But Lita is a 21-year-old wife and mother. Right. You're 21. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I am too. Forever 21. (laughs) Blogger and entrepreneur. She manufactures two lines of natural supplements and one's for pets and one is for keto lovers. She was inspired to create lines of supplements that make a difference in humans and animals. And I'm a big, big animal lover. For her keto line, she's absolutely crazy about keto, which is really cool. And she believes that keto can be done in a really healthy way. She loves to help others achieve optimal health naturally. She runs a keto support group and she's helped over 13 
thousand people get healthy naturally. And I'm assuming you're not including dogs in that number. So that can be more. (laughs) And Fleet is my client and I'm lucky enough to have gotten some awesome samples from her for, for her pet supplements. And so I know that you could add one to that number because I know it helped my little Sadie who is my little dog. She may make an appearance in a minute if I can wake her up. She knows that healthy keto has really changed her life in so many ways. She believes that her health problems have been resolved. She has incredible energy and stamina, and she really looks at keto as a lifestyle. And she feels better now than even when she was in her 30s. So I was kind of kidding about the 21, but yeah, add add 31 years to the, the you'll have the 52 number. So (laughs) yeah, I tell people like as my birthdays increase after 21, it's like the fifth anniversary of my 21st birthday, but Ah, we're we're well beyond the fifth anniversary of the 21st birthday. So (laughs) the cool thing is that Lita has been inspired to develop a line of 100% natural keto products that not only makes our lives easier, but makes them healthier. And she's really proud of their intentionally bare keto product line. And one thing I love about one thing that she said is that she never wants to compromise health for weight loss. And I think that people really get that confused. And if anyone is listening, who's kind of wondering like, why is Susie speaking with someone who does keto or, uh, you know, who does, who's into health? Lita has been one of my beloved clients for several years now. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I've wanted to do with this podcast is in addition to me talking about the importance of trademark selection, which I could talk about every day, all day. Um, I, I like interspersing these podcast episodes with interviews of industry experts, which by now you all have heard several and also brand owners, because I feel like there's so, so much that we can learn from fellow brand owners in this space. Mm-hmm. Part of that is because, you know, we love to learn people's stories and they really stick with us. And we like to hear people's mistakes because learning mm-hmm. about reasons people made mistakes can help us improve in the future. And so all of this is about constant improvement, constant learning. And, you know, of course, taking those mistakes and trying to figure out how we can do better. And so, Lita, I want to thank you so much for being here today and being so willing to be open and and transparent about your journey with your brand, your product line, and, you know, some of the mistakes and successes (laughs) that, that you've had over the years. Because if you... If you didn't have the successes, obviously you wouldn't be here. But of course, there there are mistakes that have been made. So tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into supplements in particular. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Of course, we've known each other for years now. And uh, so this is exciting. It's like, oh, I want a podcast. So how I got started, well, I actually started with the pet line first. I'll just quickly talk about that when our dog was paralyzed. And I had to really revive him back to health. And so back then there really wasn't a lot offered for dogs um, as far as supplements. So I had to basically compound my own. And that's what I was doing. I was going to health food store. I was getting, I'm really into natural health. I always have been. So I was compounding my own mixtures for him. He's made full recovery. He's just perfect now. So that's all great. So I was already doing that. And then I myself have always struggled with my weight. I've always had health issues, even though I was, very, very healthy and into natural things. So when I started keto myself, when I researched it and thought, wow, this 
keto sounds really great. And I started doing it. It literally changed my life. I mean, I can't even, you know, hardly explain, but it's like a 360. So when it did so well for me, I decided, hey, I mean, I really need to offer products that are 100% natural because like anything, you can do junky diets. You can do junky keto. There's, the, there's a lot of products out there that are not health first. And so it was hard for me to find the right product. So I decided to manufacture them myself. And so it's just been really a love for me because it's, it's helping people to get healthy. And then also selling my own product line, which is really fun. I just, I absolutely love that too. So it was just kind of a perfect match. It's like a win-win. Yeah. I really feel like, you know, there's a lot of different perspectives on this in the private label world. Some people say, go for what makes money, right? Like, don't worry about anything else. Like, you know, do you want to make money or not? Like, go for products that make money. My experience has been the people that have the most success in private label and e-commerce are those who saw a need and maybe for themselves or for others, and they work to fill that need, right? And that's exactly what you've done. You knew that you had this need to get healthier. And instead of, you know, yeah, you can do the research and look around, but you know what, if you don't see it, you, you're an entrepreneur, you go create it yourself. Yes, exactly. I totally agree. I, first and foremost, I would only manu myself personally, I would only manufacture anything that I feel passionate about that I would a hundred percent use and feel is the best product for either myself or my pet. So that's number one. And number two, out there in the all kinds of spaces, really, it's really easy to kind of cheap out, I guess, and make things not as good to save money. Like as a manufacturer, I would make more money if there were certain ingredients that I included or certain ingredients I didn't include, or if I didn't uh, grow organic, if I didn't do non-GMO, if I didn't do grass-fed pasture-raised, like if I didn't do those things, I would make more money. And to be honest, a lot of people may not know the difference you know there's a lot of people out there that don't pay attention to that it makes a difference to me so you know i i will always go the high road like if i'm not going to use it i'm not going to sell it so right. it, it's got to be absolutely the best you just have to feel passionate whatever it is that you're wanting to sell or you, you know you have to feel passionate about it because i think going for the the easy or whatever sells i guess is what you said i think that'll wane pretty quickly. And when there's hard times, which <laughs> we will get into here a little bit about when things happen, that's when your resolve really kicks in. You know, what, what is your why? Mm -hmm. What is your reason for doing this? Because that's what's going to really keep you. That why is sort of your anchor that brings you back to why, <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> why is it worth doing this and fighting for this? And Every entrepreneur in every business will face obstacles at some point during their business and or some type of resistance. Mm -hmm. But kind of going back to that why really just reestablishes sort of that resolve to continue moving forward. And I feel like in, in this, I, I work with a lot of different sellers, but I feel like people who have a passion for their product or Maybe it is a hobby product. Maybe they found a sport they loved. I'm thinking of a particular client right now who happens to be absolutely in love with a particular sport. And so he's kind of developing a product line around it. And I probably should have him on the podcast at some point. Yeah. You know, there's just this passion there. And I know that if he faces obstacles, 
with respect to this product line, and he will. Something crazy is going to happen coming out of China. Something's going to get systems. I mean, this stuff is going to mm-hmm. happen, right? Mm-hmm. So he, he's going to revisit his why. He loves his sport. And I feel like that's analogous to what you're doing. Yes. And I've seen, as I'm sure you have too, Susie, what you do, so many sellers. I mean, I am in so many different groups and I've taken so many courses and I'm part of different, I guess, groups where we all come together and talk about things and stuff. And so many people that have left the industry because they never did have that real passion for what they did. And so as soon as a few things happen and the cracks start coming, it's sort of like, oh, I don't even want to do this anymore. Like there's no inner drive because they didn't, you know, they don't have that passion for what they do. And it's inevitable that something is going to happen. I don't think it's a matter of if it's going to happen, it's when it's going to happen. And so if you have that passion for what you do, it will always be your driving force, I think. And it'll help you through. Now, could you imagine if you were like selling just like garlic presses or fidget spinners and you encountered some of the obstacles that you have? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. That, that would have been game over. I'd be, yeah. <laughs> you're like, I don't care about these garlic presses yeah. that much. <laughs> so let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Let's, let's get into that just a little bit. Your biggest hurdle to date Lita. And this is something that I've kind of, I guess kind of been the handholder a little bit <laughs> in some so. ways. I didn't necessarily help you in the nuts and bolts on resolving the matter, but I've seen what has been going on from, I guess, a 10,000 foot perspective. So let's talk a little bit about the intentionally bare transition and evolution. Yes. Well, I mean, so how it all first started, of course, is because I have a amazing trademark lawyer named Susie. So, you know, there was a different brand name. And so we put that in there and it looked great. I mean, on paper, you know, everything looked really, really good and safe and stuff. But of course, there's no guarantees. There's absolutely no guarantees out there if anyone's going to have a problem with your trademark. I guess in a perfect world, the person would put in for their trademark and they would literally just sit on their hands until it's gone through. But like, who does that, right? So it's like you're waiting for it to come through and you go ahead and you do your labels and you have your products and I'm building my brand like crazy and have all been blogging for, you know, quite a long time, way before I even had products out. And um, my support group was also before I even had products out. I really, I felt it was very important to give before I would take. So I really wanted to give um, my knowledge and my help and my support to people before I actually sold anything. And so anyways, that was all going on and everything's great and everything's, <laughs> and then, you know, we got into the 30 day opposition period. Another company had an issue with the name. And so it was really difficult because the decisions that you have to make that are hard, they're, they're really, really hard. And you're not, and especially I've never been in that position before. So I wasn't really sure, you know, how to do it, but you really, really helped me. So I just want to thank you for that because you really guided me as to like, I mean, I didn't even understand exactly what was happening. So you laid it all out. So I knew exactly what was happening. And then when I decided that I wanted to fight it, then you passed me over to a litigation lawyer because that's what happens at that point is you have to go into a different direction. But you always stayed in contact. You always asked me uh, how things were going. And I asked for your advice. And, you know, we talked through the whole process. So that was that was really good. But that's the the essentially that is what has has happened to me. So it's like you're in the middle of 
really getting a foothold out there in the market and people are really getting to know who you are, your voice, who you are as a person, but also your brand. And then right when you're in smack middle of it, all of a sudden you realize I may not be able to keep that brand name. And so I was trying to still grow, but in the back of my mind, how much do I really want to push this? Because I'm not really sure what's going to happen until we get to the point of hashing this out. And it, and it's anything legal always takes forever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you have the patience for it. I mean, it's not like you just snap your fingers and in a week you resolve something. I mean, it's months and months. And what was it like? Eight months. Eight months probably. Yeah. When you were kind of in a state of limbo with limbo. being or, or like purgatory. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because it's hard to make decisions going forward when you have this outstanding legal issue. And I think that one kind of piece of guidance I can give that would be applicable to anyone here, you know, just keeping in mind that there's never a slam dunk with a trademark, right? Like, mm -hmm. and you can be using a trademark for five years you can have a registration for a trademark and get a cancellation proceeding against you. And so I tell people when you start the branding process, when you select a trademark and you do your clearance searches before you file, before you start using it, still never hundred percent guarantee. You know, there could be marks that don't come up in a clearance search. There could be improper guidance. There could be things that an attorney's not thinking about. I mean, there's a lot of variables that go into a clearance search and an opinion. So but you do the best you can with the information that you have at that time. And I tell people kind of, it's kind of getting to the point of my guidance is that really, you know, slowly ramp up the, the dollars that you spend on marketing as you become more confident in your branding, which can only happen over time. You know, you get through the, the examining attorney's review you get through that 30 day opposition period, you get the trademark registered, you know, mm -hmm. you may, you know, you take the proper steps to maintain the registration. You continue to spend money in marketing and advertising. You get a bigger foothold in the marketplace or a bigger presence. You know, that's when you can continue to spend and increase those ad dollars. Of course you, it, you know, it's a weird catch 22 with the USPTO. You have to actually be using the mark. <laughs> and, isn't that the weird thing, right? It is. You have it to is. be using the mark before the USPTO will officially grant the registration. It's exactly, it's but you know, going back to, oh, I'm sorry. Going no, back no, no, to what you were saying about having a passion for what you're doing and, you know, having vested interest. And I think that's where, you know, at first I was like, you know, devastated, of course, I and mean, who's, who's not going to be, I realized going through this, that, you know, it's a name, all the work that I had done with, with my blogging, with my support, with helping people, that was what was important, you know? So changing a name has actually been relatively smooth. People are realizing, you know, cause I've explained it to them and in all the social media and, and my group and, you know, everywhere that it counts, everybody knows. And really at the end of the day, it's just a name. A name doesn't necessarily mean the success of your brand, I guess is what I'm saying is like, it's you that you put into it. So if you're forced into a situation where you have to change it, it's not as devastating as you think at the time it is. Trust me, I really did. <laughs> it seemed devastating at the time, right? <laughs> no, it certainly did. Yeah, it certainly did. But it, Yeah, it I mean, I feel like obviously I, I know that there's a huge importance to, to that brand name. Now, with that said, I like to look at these matters in a reasonable perspective and to really, I like clients to keep in mind that if they have to go through 
a brand name change throughout the life of their, you know, at some point. And, you know, the, the hope is that it happens sooner rather than later. And always keep in mind that you're going to have more customers in the future than you do now. You're going to, hopefully you're going to be a, around a lot longer into the future than you have been in the past. So therefore you shouldn't take such a negative approach to having to do a brand name change. And, and this is kind of something that, you know, we were talking about before we even hopped on the podcast is I think the importance of putting your resources towards positive, right? Instead of fighting and fighting and fighting yes. for something negative. A hundred percent. I take, agree. Yeah. Take the experience and the obstacle and, and think about how can you flip this around and make this a positive experience. Yes. Your time and your money and energy towards positive change for your business. And I think that one thing that you touched on that is really important is, is sort of how you tapped into your market and the people that already love you and know you and your product and you, you involve them sort of in this change and you let them know about that and you let this, this obstacle kind of create a touch point for you, for your customers. And, you know, I think that that's, I think that's a great idea. Now, did you actually get your customer base involved at all in the actual name change? Uh, I had thought about it, but I decided against it because I don't know. They would probably have wanted the word keto to be part of it. And I had decided as a, as a business decision that I was not going to do that because my long-term goal is it's a lifestyle brand. So I didn't want to peg it specifically for that. So I know that they would have been disappointed if that had happened and um but anyways i did include them in a lot in a lot when once we had made our decision of what we were going to do for our next name and stuff and actually i will just go back to is that it was your suggestion back in well when we were first opposed and we had discussed about you know we're not sure how this is going to go and everything and we discussed the idea of why don't we put in for a couple more trademarks just get them in just put them in there and just see and at the time you know, I thought it was a good idea, but I thought, okay, like you spend this money putting this in and, you know, I'm going to win. <laughs> yeah, that's like kind of how you think at the well, time. Well, you got to be positive, right? Well, you're being positive, yeah. But, you know, it, it was the best advice ever, honestly, because once all this was over, and obviously I didn't win, but one of the names, <laughs> in fact, out of the two, my absolute favorite one that I really wanted you know, we gave, got back from mediation and everything and it was only a couple of weeks and it was already through the 30 day opposition period. And yeah. it was just like, wow, what a, what a relief that was, mm -hmm. you know, just to have that part over. Cause that's, I, I feel that's the biggest hurdle. Like you said, other things can happen down the road, but I think this is the biggest one that it, any business has to face is getting through that 30 days. So that was a huge relief and that was great advice on your part. So I'm very thankful for that. But yes, I did include my group is my, is the main audience that I talk to there we all help each other it's a really good support and so I did a little video and explained to them what happened and it has been nothing but love and support mm -hmm. uh, I didn't really go into all the details of it got to keep it pretty general or whatever but they were totally supportive so I think as long as you're telling your audience whatever audience that you have if you explain to them what's happened. And you know what else someone mentioned to me that I just, I never even think about it, but when it comes to logos and things like that, they're like, do you know how many big companies out there change all the time? They may not necessarily change their name, but like their logo look is completely different. And a they lot of evolve. people, oh, totally. They're like, okay, most 
most people, when they see a brand, they go for what the logo looks like a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And these big, gigantic companies have changed their look completely and somehow they survived. So, you know, it's not that big of a deal, I think, if you educate your audience and, and let them know what's happening and they're part of it. Yeah, I think that's a huge part of it is when you are having to go through that transition or that evolution with your trademark, if it is a design logo, to proactively educate your audience. It's it is so important to educate because so they can follow kind of along with that transition. So, but yeah, yeah it's not unusual at all for brands or for companies to, to evolve their logos over time. Like look, I just, you know, you could do a quick Google search for the evolution of the Apple logo. Like yeah. it's totally different now. So true. And Starbucks, you and know, Starbucks. huge companies. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not unusual. And one thing I, I want to mention that you just talked about, and I think that this is why we need to be careful about the extent that we involve our audience or our, you know, our fans um, or our tribes into the, the trademark process or the transition process is because sometimes they, they don't fully understand your brand vision. And with respect to you not including the term keto, I think was a very smart move. And something I harp on a lot to people is being very careful with descriptive terms that you put within your trademark, because that could be a little clunky (laughs) if you start, you know, rolling out different, or if you, you know, if you start going in a slightly different direction, or if you do roll out additional goods or services related to that trademark, you're going to have to think, well, does that current trademark make sense from the marketing perspective for these particular goods? So I think it's wise to have not included that descriptive element keto in the trademark. Yeah, thank you. I think so too. And it's funny too, because (laughs) I mean, I always had a vision for the company for sure I did. But after going through this and then really, really focusing on what is it that you, that you really want like what is it that you really see and it really helped me to get clear and when I really really thought about it 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 just really solidified the fact that I did want it to be a lifestyle brand there's so many other things that are so healthy and good for us that that can branch out into and through this process it's actually just opened up my thinking in a different way I'm not saying it wouldn't have happened with what I had before but I think I was leaning a little bit too much on the name it was cheeky, I'll just say, and it, and, and it was great. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was an awesome name. It was great. Everyone that heard it said, oh, that name's so great. But you kind of sometimes rely a little bit too much on that and, and not on the real reason why you're doing what you're doing. So it just, it just helped me to really get clear. So I feel like in a way it helped me and, and benefited me as a person, but also for the company. I think that's awesome. One thing, I, I love your trademark. I, I love the one that you had before. <laughs> I love the one that you have now. And, you know, the, the one now is intentionally bare. And I've talked to you a little bit in the past about, let's think about intentional, intentionally. I love that, you know, because you're proceeding with life or your weight loss journey or your your goals to improve your overall health yes. well-being by being intentional. And I love that. So can you speak a little bit, Lita, about like how you came up with intentionally 
I know how you come up with intentionally bare, but yeah. you know, just that whole concept. Sure. I'd love to know sure. that. Well, way back because that was part of the old brand too, was intentionally. I've just always, that word has always been in my life and it's always in the back of my mind. I, I really do try to live my life with intention. I live my life with purpose. I have set things that I do every day to visualize and help create the life that I'm wanting. I live my life very healthy and I know what I put in my body makes a huge difference on my in my health. So that word just, I just always loved it. I wasn't, you know, I was sort of playing around with different ways of saying it, but intentionally it's just what ended up, you know, being the word. And in, in doing this brand name change, like I said, in the old one, I was leaning too much on the second word. And now that I've changed, it's way more about intentionally. And that really was what I wanted to begin with. But I guess because the other name was so catchy, intentionally got kind of lost, actually. Mm -hmm. But now in this one, with intentionally bare, it really just says everything I've always wanted to say, like you're you're living your life with intention to be as healthy as possible, with as as bare as possible, you know, not more colors, flavorings, um, or ingredients of any kind. And, you know, whether that morphs itself into other categories, it will always have, that will always be the mission. So it really says that. And now, like in the marketing, our whole marketing has changed. Instead of focusing on that other word, now the focus is on us inintentionally. And I like it so much better. It just, it's really authentic. Yeah, I yeah. Really, I'm really happy with it. I love it. And that makes me so happy that, that you all, that you kind of made that transition and that you've gone to this point of acceptance. <laughs> I know yes. that there, I know that there was a, you know, a lot of resistance there with that initial transition yes. and having to go through that. But it seems like you are to a point of acceptance and that, and you're at peace with it. And that maybe yes. you are going a step further in that you are excited about this. Yes, I, I do feel that. I would like yes. to know a little bit about how you've changed your marketing. You said that you, you all are going to be focusing more on the element intentionally. Yes, definitely. So I've got, I've got a, a really amazing team now. Um, it used to be kind of like, you know, mom and pop, you know, how it usually starts off, right? But well, now... Yeah, when you first start yeah. off, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it was like me by myself and then me and my husband. And then, you know, and now <laughs> awesome team. And we all were, you know, just brainstorming and talking and we all felt so strongly that intentionally really needs to be the forefront of everything that we talk about in all social media platforms, in the group, on the products and everything like that. Basically helping people to, um, instead of just sort of living our lives with whatever comes along, why not decide how you want it to be? Mm -hmm. Why don't we just intentionally decide? that this is how we're going to live our lives. So whether it's losing weight, getting healthy, you know, or just creating the different things in your life that you want to be there, do it on purpose. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's definitely in everything that we're talking about now. See, I love that. And you, you pointed out a minute ago, something I did that didn't initially register with me. Cause in my head, I, the element bear kind of had a different meaning, but it's almost like it has two meanings, right? And mm-hmm. there, I didn't even really think about it, meaning that the products themselves are more whole, right? Like the food products and, and supplements that you 
want people to, you know, to research and become more aware of are they're not, they don't have a bunch of fillers and things like that. They're more, yeah. So I think that that is so cool that you've kind of taken that word bear and it almost has like this, it's almost like a double entendre, not quite, but. (laughs) Sometimes it's what's not in it, which is just as important as what is in it. Right. You know, oh, there's some really crappy things out there that are in products that people really just don't have any idea. They just see this word and they don't really know what it is. and, And then they're having that every day and it's just, not good for us so mm-hmm. it's keeping it as fair as humanly possible you know and keeping mm-hmm. it pure so yeah so there'll be, there'll be definitely more marketing bear. around that <laughs> <laughs> i said the pizza i had last night was not very bare oh dear well <laughs> the wagon mm-hmm. you would have been really disappointed <laughs> well we all we all have you know i will i will plainly i will come right out and say i am not perfect in any stretch of the imagination and we all have our times are going off and that's the other benefit of of our support group is just there's no judgment there's no judgment whatsoever and I think a lot of us have been on really bad crappy horrible diets that they weren't good for us for one thing and then they were also super restrictive and then as soon as you weren't doing it then you felt guilty and then you got that whole mental thing happening so it's it's like the whole it's the whole thing so if you aren't perfect that's fine but what are you going to do about it tomorrow Mm-hmm. So is it going to be like, oh, I blew it. I'm never gonna, I'm not going to do it for six months. Or are you going to say, okay, you know, did it. Okay. Back on today and let's just start fresh or whatever. And I think that's a much better attitude to have. For sure. No one's perfect. Yeah. Other mm-hmm. than beating yourself up. Like you just wake up the next day, you wake up with intention. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's right. One yeah. thing I think that you do that other people need to do as brand owners is create a community or a tribe. I don't think that that concept necessarily applies to every business, right? Like, okay, if you're, if you are selling fidget spinners, right? Like you don't necessarily have like your fidget spinner tribe, although there might be one out there. (laughs) People who love fidget spinners, right? They're, Mm -hmm. they're hobbies for everything. (laughs) but you have kind of built up this support group, right? And it's all around the brand. And I think that doing that for, for a lot of different brands is, is really one way to kind of drive home the recognition and the loyalty of the consumer, right? Kind of like what you said, like, even though you went for, you had to do a name change, your peeps, <laughs> Excuse it, you know, your your yeah. peeps are still hanging with you. They're still hanging with this source. It doesn't matter that the source indicator, the trademark changed. They are still with you and they are still with your products. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, and this is kind of I'm thinking aloud about how something like that applies to other other brands that might be out there. If you're a brand owner, that's something that you need to think about. If you're, and I'm going to give this, I'm going to give kind of a weird example because it's at top of mind. My significant other is really into fishing right now. Like, I don't even know where the heck this has come from, right? He's always been an outdoorsman, but he's never really gotten into the fishing thing until of late, right? So now he has all these lures and I mean, it's, it's crazy. And he's like working on different, like little fly fishing jigs. I don't know. I don't know what all this 
But anyway, yeah, I found the fishing. So yeah. Okay. So yeah. So you probably might know what's going on. You know what's going yeah. on here. Like he'll bring home all the all this bait and these lures. And I always look at the brands because that's what I do. I pay attention to them just to see like who are these people and you know have I heard of these this company and I guarantee that a lot of these fishing lure companies or just kind of, you know fishing related companies in general have a huge following. Mm -hmm. Right. And they're probably developing sort of their own tribe around their branding. And I guess the reason I'm bringing this up is it's just one of those really niche things that, you know, if you own a brand and you're in a particular niche, you could, you can kind of develop your own tribe of people. Like, I don't want to call it really a support, but like a, a community, maybe a community is your, is the better word where people come and talk about their lures, you know, and they show pictures of their lures and maybe they, maybe they made one, right. Maybe they made a fly on their own. And, you know, I I think that that concept can apply to a lot of different, a lot of different niches. It sure can. And it's not just mine's a little on the easier side, of course, because we're supporting each other and, and we are trying to help each other to lose weight and get healthy. But I've heard of so many other groups out there where you would think, boy, would that ever be difficult to get a a group together or a tribe or people to, you know, just be part of the movement, I guess. And I heard of one, I was at a conference and um, I actually forget the brand name right now because it was a men's um, hair care product. And what they did was they just started off with, hey, I'm this dude. I have a hard time with my hair. You know, I'm going to develop this line of products because I find it very difficult, whatever. So, you know, like, like all of us, we just start off on our own or whatever. And it has grown into this massive, massive community Mm -hmm. of men, all ages, showing pictures. It's mostly Instagram. Instagram. Because that's their age, their age demographic. I'm more Facebook of my, who, you know, are into my products. But they do Instagram mostly, and they're showing pictures. This is my hair. This is why I did this. Oh, I colored it this way, and I did, you know. So all those kind of things. And and the people that are part of that have really come together to really support this company. And so when the company says, hey, we're thinking of doing this thing, what do you guys think? They're getting their opinions, and they want their opinions. Yeah. And then they use that information to decide what new products they're going to do. And then, of course, when they come up with the products, they have the support. So I, I really think it could be done for pretty much anything. It's really how you're going to go about doing it and knowing where are your people hanging out. Because some of my people hang out on Instagram, but I'm going to tell you the majority of my people hang out on Facebook. And so I know that. And that, so that's where we hang out. Um, so I guess just knowing that is where you're going to want to you know, have your group. I think that's a really important point, Leah. I'm glad that you brought that up. One thing that when I work, when I work with people on brand name selection, I kind of take a step back and say, who are your people, right? Like, and I kind of hate using this because I've seen it used so many times, but your ideal customer avatar. Right. No, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Who are these people and where do they hang out? You need to know this, like this is super important. And I think that this is really a great juxtaposition as an example that you know that your peeps and your age demographic, which is 21, right? Yeah. (laughs) Plus a few. And mine too. We really, I'm kind of in that weird, I'm in a weird stage where some of my peeps might kind of hang out on Instagram, but a lot of my peeps are probably more on Facebook, but it's a weird yeah, you could be a half and half or, you know, Yeah, part. 
I think it's really important though for people to know where your audience is hanging out because you don't want to be putting a lot of effort, time, money, energy into social media postings and hanging out and things like that on platforms where your people aren't, right? Like if your people are on Instagram, Lita, you know this, you know they're on Facebook. That's where you go hang out. That's where you go do your lives. That's where you go talk to people. That's where you all go have your coffee. Your (laughs) your coffee with Lita. And this hair care company that you mentioned, they probably know that their customer, what, millennials? Is that what the youngsters are these days? I think so. (laughs) Yeah. So, (laughs) and they're, they, they are on Instagram. And they know that. So I think people need to really sit down and think about where your people are. Right. Exactly. Where they feel comfortable. Yeah. And and that's a good point too. Where do you feel comfortable? Because you can find your people, right? Mm -hmm. Some people are more comfortable with Instagram. Some people are more comfortable with Facebook. Some yes. people are more comfortable with Twitter, which I'm not really sure what's going on on Twitter at any <laughs> Yeah, I don't really either. I can kind of, I, I can get on Instagram. I'm super great on Facebook. Um, Twitter, I can see it, but I don't really get it. There's um, a lot going on, you know, like a lot of postings. I mean, I have a Twitter page, but it's, and I follow people on Twitter, but I feel like there's a lot of just, there's a lot of speaking, yeah. but no listening. Yes, yes, exactly. I don't know. That's all for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you absolutely loved it. And I really hope you found it of value. So in my next episode, we're going to dive in with part two with Lita. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And remember, never stop learning. Thanks for listening to Trademarks Made Easy with Susie Hickson the private label lawyer. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe anywhere you find podcasts or at theprivatelabellawyer.com. Remember, the information provided in the Trademarks Made Easy podcast should not be construed as legal advice. It's for informational and entertainment purposes only. It should not be considered a substitute for legal advice. Also, I'm not your attorney. You should engage with an attorney to discuss your specific legal issues. And finally, while I have taken precautions to ensure that the content of my podcast is current and accurate, errors can occur. And thankfully, like us, the laws are ever evolving.